Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shannon Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Chain Attack. I'm your host, Trevor, and my daughter is angry at me right now. <laughs> we finished, Possibly get used to it. We, fin- <laughs> we finished season one of um, Firefly, and she's ready to watch season two. <laughs> you are so mean. <laughs> <laughs> are you saying I should have told her before we started? No, no, <laughs> but... It's just that you delight in it. I mean, I'm as mean as you because I think it's pretty funny too. Well, you know, I mean, I had a I had a similar feeling at once, so I mean, I I relate and understand. <laughs> did so? Did she end up enjoying it quite a bit? Yeah, I think she did. The funny thing is, we watched it. Um, I don't remember when we started a while back, and we only watched the first episode, and she was like, "Meh," and I'm like, "Meh," and my wife is like, "Meh." And we were appalled, and um, but she didn't really want to watch anymore. And for whatever reason, we decided to come back. And I spent five minutes sort of setting up the um, setting for her because she said she didn't really understand it the first time. And so after I set up the setting a little bit for her on second review on the first episode, she's like, I understand it way better now. So... And then we, she loved it from there on out. And you're a much better father than I. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I just don't give, I don't give my children any context. I'm just like, you should watch this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things that they don't really explain very clearly. Oh, I'm not like, arguing with you. Like, you're right. Like, why it's, do they use Chinese, and why are they riding horses on some planets? And like, she just. Those sort of things didn't make any sense to her, and I understand why they've not really explained in the Josh Josh Whedon style. Like, gosh darn it, Trevor! I have, like I had vowed to myself that I was just going to rejoice in the fact that someone could enjoy something, and I wasn't going to uh, comment. But you're, it's just like you're baiting me at this point. <laughs> I mean, there's very clear reasons why they ride horses on some planets. So. Okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Jay. Do they ride any horses on the core planet? <laughs> no, they do not. Oh, sure, yeah, okay. It makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jay, uh, and so, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'll have this argument if you want. We can go for it. No, I like. It should probably be another episode. I, yeah, I, I don't need to. Like, listen, I sincerely am happy for everyone that enjoys that subpar show. You're you, are, such a you, are, you are. I'm gonna get in my car right now and drive my ass over there. The, the part that's funny is that I don't even. I I I, I uh, provoke. And, and, you know, make statements that I don't actually believe. I don't think that it's subpar. Uh, you just think it's par. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely <laughs> a very, very average. It's, it's not noteworthy, but, uh, but. Those are fighting of, words just as much. Okay, okay. Pull <laughs> the speaking, keys out, get in the car right now. <laughs> listen, speaking of noteworthy shows, just moments ago, I finished watching a show that actually isn't noteworthy. Uh, so my, uh, Brian has, like, it's, his, his health has just been crap. And it's, it's kind of a, uh, spin the wheel on how he's gonna fill any given day. Yeah. And so he, he had a fairly good morning, but then he wasn't feeling well, and so he asked me to watch a movie with him. 
And I, I just finished watching Gattaca, and so good. It is uh, still a very good movie. It's kind of interesting how um, it it's 23 years old at this point, and you know they obviously made some design choices to have it have kind of a, a timeless uh, look to that movie. But right. really, the, yeah. the the part of the movie that um, shows its age the most is just how uh, babyface Ethan Hawke and Jude Law are in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was it was a great movie still. So, uh, and I'm Josh, and like I seriously have a question for those of you out there. I'm going to call you geeks and sneaks, or fellow nerds who actually exercise and stuff. Do do I just embrace the fact that I'm meant to feel pain constantly? Like, yes. is that the healthy state of life? Yes. <laughs> what a freaking joke. Oh, <laughs> well, I say that, but I will. I will say so. When I first started going to the gym, uh huh. Um, Speak to me, like, honey. I'm ready. I just was in pain all the time, and. Like, it, it never got better, it felt like, and it felt like it was months of this. It was probably about a month, but then it did get better, and then it, it didn't really, I didn't really notice it. But I, it also, I got to more kind of a, a point where I was um, kind of maintaining stuff as opposed to, like, constantly pushing myself to the edge to where I wanted to die at every moment. Yeah, I gotcha. So, I mean, are, are you're... Are you and your wife doing, like, CrossFit stuff right now? So, I mean, we're using the gym that's called Orange Theory, which basically yep. is, like, every morning you do treadmill, rowing, weights. Is that CrossFit? Yep. Um, Kind of, yeah. I mean, it's And it's also, Orange Theory is, is really big. It's, it's one of the gyms, from my understanding, that's really big in the, you're, you push yourself to the max and you get your heart rate up. and. Oh, yeah, that's part of what works for me is because it basically has gamified it. Cause you get you get they call them splat points for sure. you know yeah yeah I mean it's all heart rate based and I'm like oh this is amazing I'm all, I'm all about this right so uh, this is, I, by no means am I a <laughs> uh, expert on this and and I didn't even stay the hol- holiday in last night but <laughs> <laughs> my my I I think that the like constantly pushing yourself to the edge part is is what um, is going to make you feel like you're constantly dying. Oh, I see. Well, how exciting for me. <laughs> Are, do, you, do you feel like you've been uh, getting some good results from it? I feel like it's been worthwhile, but what happened is I was getting, like I was improving in all factors, and then a, a worldwide pandemic struck. Yeah. I know that's like the opener to any anime about my life at this point. Uh, but, and so now I'm sort of maybe back to the point where, cause I, yeah. I really kind of lost. That's what I hate about trying to be healthy. Like, I understand those of you out there who were once like me, like it is a, it's just a constant effort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it gets harder. Yeah. Thanks for coming to my Ted talk about not aging. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I guess before we dive into the, the main topic of uh, the podcast, uh, as always, check out DiscountGamesInc.com for your gaming needs, and uh, check out Muson Minis for uh, for everything. Just get everything there. Um, in particular, though, the <laughs> it was sort of funny. I, I was conversing some with, with Nigel about it, and he was like, so there have been a lot of people who have been like kind of rushing to... Uh, get their guild ball tokens while we still oh, have, yeah. while we still guild have balls an active license. Right. Yeah, and we're, we're not going to have the license eventually. And and there's a fair amount of hostility in the community towards Steamforged, and for whatever reason, some of that has like shifted to the licensing partner as well. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> so he's like, yeah, I've just had like, a lot of people who are like either angry at me or hate buying stuff. <laughs> so uh, you don't have. I mean, I think you're, I think you can add hate as a prefix to any verb. <laughs> it's been my experience. 
I hate love you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That took a dark turn, but yes, I think that still happens. <laughs> All right. Well, that must have been what my first marriage was based upon. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're not going to have the, the Guild Ball license forever. Uh, if you are interested in rounding out your collection with that, then order your stuff while you still can. Um, uh, before we dive, I guess, into the, the other topics of the show, is there anything else going in your guys' lives or anything you wanted to talk about? Oh, I mean, I would just encourage everybody listening, if they haven't already, to go to patreon.com forward slash chain attack and uh, support us. We would appreciate it. Uh, it does um, help go to support the three of us directly. It helps us to keep doing what we're doing, and you get to see all the episodes early, and you get our bonus episodes, which this isn't one of them, but there will be one this week that will go with this, uh, probably a completely different topic, I'm assuming, since I don't know yeah, how we'll probably. drag this out into two episodes, but um, you never know. <laughs> Where there's a will, sometimes, there's a way. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> we've talked about things in the past for three or four episodes that I thought we couldn't make into one episode, so who knows? <laughs> okay, so one of the, um, I guess, one of the main topics that we were going to have for this episode is um, talking about some of the experiences I've had with Discount Games Inc. recently. Um, so if, the, in general, I've had a fair number of people contact me with questions about owning a store or what it's like, etc. And, and it seems like there's a lot of people who are interested in either how the game industry works or how game stores work, stuff like that. Can we, um, can we just talk about that condition for a moment? I'm assuming it can't be unique to the gaming industry, but maybe it is. I mean, I go into Walmart all the time, but it doesn't mean I want to own a Walmart. Right, yeah. But I, it seems like a general kind of disease, maybe, amongst gamers. They're all like, <laughs> you know, I could, I could do this. I want to own one of these things that I go visit all the time. I want to own this game store. And I don't, I, I don't understand it, because I've never had the desire to own a game store. Never. Never once have I considered this as something that I would like to do. But I know lots of people... I, I wasn't I wasn't sure if uh, you had never had the desire, or if after having <laughs> seen me do it for so many years, you're like, man, <laughs> I well, would never want to do that. It's, what it's, a terrible it's, idea. Yeah, to be fair, I may have a little bit of like, you know, the, when you experience abuse even tangentially, sometimes your mind wants to like erase the things. <laughs> So maybe at one point I did think it was an interesting idea, and I just can't remember that because it's all been erased. But really, honestly, I never, I never well, once really thought about it or considered it because it seemed to me like all the game store owners I knew growing up, and you guys knew the exact. We all grew up in the same area, so we all <laughs> knew the same game store owners: Kent and um, Jack, and um, all the guys from our local stores. They would spend what felt like 70 to 80 hour work weeks in their stores. They were always there. Always. I never walked into either of their stores and did not see them there. They never took a break. They always had nerds there until 10, 30, 11, 12, 1 a.m. They always, you know, it just felt like there was not a lot of money in it. There was not a lot of, honestly, there didn't feel like there was a lot of joy either because I saw the people they had to deal with. <laughs> I mean, I was one of them. They had to deal with me. <laughs> I mean, uh, on top of all of this, though, uh, and I may be uh, remembering the story wrong a little bit as well, Trevor, but correct me if I'm wrong on this, but uh, your didn't your grandfather own a gun store or sport, sporting store? Um, so my grandfather, after he got out of the Army, um, he was served in Korea. So when he got out of the Army, he... Um, worked for a guy who owned an army surplus store. Mm. And when that guy got old and decided to um, sell his inventory, uh, my grandfather uh, took over, basically. Right. And so, yes, throughout all of the 60s, 70s, and 80s, most of the 80s, um, my grandfather owned a sporting goods and western wear store, because we're in Idaho, so he sold boots and saddles and hats and other things, but he sold guns um and all kinds of outdoor stuff, fishing stuff for many, many years. And when he finally got out, the reason he got out, and it's interesting because I think it's relevant, he got out because uh, because of big um, department stores getting in. Mm, yeah. So big department stores got into 
the industry by selling guns. I mean, there was no Walmart in Idaho at the time. But the, the, our direct competitor at the time in Idaho Falls was a company called Skaggs, which I don't think exists anymore. Um, but there was others that were they were basically undercutting all of the small mom and pop sporting goods stores right. and selling everything at like a ten percent discount, where he had previously throughout his entire career, you know, been able to sell things more like a fifteen to twenty five to even more percent rating. But there was just this point during the eighties when that for 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 sporting goods changed and he just couldn't compete with it anymore he couldn't pay his staff um an appropriate wage anymore um and compete and so he got out and for the longest time we had um we still have all the records from the store because if you keep a maintain a active federal firearms license you must keep your records of every gun you've ever sold so we have books and books and books of all the guns we sold from 50 years ago or plus um that we have to keep until that license lapse, and then we've got to turn it all over to the Bureau of Tobacco and Firearms and everything. So, yeah, I have I have a little bit of a different view on it than the average person because I saw what it took as a family to, and we still have a family business. It's just not in it's not in sporting goods anymore. But I have an idea of what it takes to run a family. And and you've said that various times, like the idea of being self-employed just doesn't really <laughs> have much appeal for you. Um, so maybe th- maybe the reason being. As a child, when my father's store, my grandfather, excuse me, when my grandfather's store got broken into, and it was a very regular occurrence, um, they would get up in the middle of the night, they would drive off. I realize that, that that's probably not unique to um, to entrepreneurship. I mean, it doesn't happen generally to you guys, and you're both entrepreneurs in some sense of the word. Um, yeah. my grandfather would have to get up at 10 o'clock at night or midnight or one in the morning and drive off and have a, lo- you know, a long conversation with the cops about, you know, what inventory is missing, what serial numbers were they, and they all, it all had to be tracked and it involved the FBI. And, and, um, so, you know, yeah, I just, those sorts of things, like I like coming home and not having to think about my, my livelihood sitting in a building somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's, I don't, that's fair. I like, and I, I like to I like to forget about it when I go home. And I mean, one of so this this will be I'll, I'll use this as a good launching point for I, I have at least three stories to to tell <laughs> <laughs> during this this podcast. And so this story one, time with Jay is the best. So <laughs> first story this is this is dealing with Games Workshop. So first off, you know. Years and years ago, back in the the dark times, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Games Workshop was set up to where um, you you couldn't sell their st- you could not have a shopping cart with their product, and so places like the War Store had phone banks where you would call in and do a phone order for their product, and I would get cold called by Games Workshop. Like, hey, you should carry our stuff, and and my response was always, you know, I the moment I can sell it online, I'll order gobs of stuff from you. And they're like, oh well, uh, we can't help you. <laughs> and and like I, it wasn't a game that I was too interested in myself. And there were already like communities and stores carrying it locally, and so it felt like. You know, just something that would be difficult to make happen locally and not necessarily worth it when I couldn't sell it online as well. And so... Well, the product line was also huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's a lot of money. Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward and Games Workshop made some changes. But And this is going to be like a recurring theme in this these stories about Games Workshop. The made some changes theme is is the recurring theme? Well, no. Like... Like they make some changes, but but they're still they 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 still have a mammoth bureaucracy. They still have like rules that sometimes you look at them and you're like, why is this a thing? And and it almost feels like it's a this is the way it's done because this is the way it's always been done. <laughs> and 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 it's not going to change because this is how it's always been done. <laughs> and and anyone you talk to doesn't have the authority to make any changes anyways because they're they're just a little cog in a vast machine that has no say in anything right 
you know, in my experience, it feels like nobody has. Like, there's no one yes. that could actually turn that. Yes, wheel. Uh, like if if it was, to, it's it's great that they were able to make that change to sell stuff online, but like, it feels like this was that was probably literally a decision that the CEO made and no one that, else. That blows me away to to some small extent. Like I'm, I I don't think I'm like from what you're you not wrong. Workshop, do you think that I'm wrong on this? I mean, I don't no, think no, I am. No, no. no. No, no, no. You, I think sir, are, right. are very right. Okay. okay. It makes no sense to me. I mean, it feels like that should be a decision made by a... I don't know. I don't know who, but it doesn't feel like it should be the CEO that should say, we should make this change. I mean, it is... I don't know. On the other hand, like, it it was a very large change to how they operated. So, well... Well, like, that's, to the other end of that, at some point, they came to him and said, we would like to sell online. And he said no, right? right? And well, many people up to that point said no. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, at some point there was that the the question was asked: Should we sell this product online? And the question and the answer was: We will, but no one else can, right? Yeah, I mean, they they basically um, and there's there's still people to to like right now who feel like um, some of the decisions that Games Workshop makes are kind of bad decisions because they just have like such a conflict of interest where they make a lot of money selling stuff online versus selling it through retailers and et cetera. And so, you know, I, I don't know what to, to say about that, I guess, but, um, so to continue my story, they, they, <laughs> they finally say you can start selling online. I, I contact games workshop and I'm like, okay, I sign me up. I'm ready to, you know, go crazy selling stuff. And, they say, uh, we're, we're sorry you cannot create an account with us. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is the part that blows me away about this corporation, is this. Like, what? <laughs> Why? What? Uh, so, at, at that point, I'm like, what? 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 Why? Why? And they said, well, there's, there's basically two things going on here. First of all, we kind of view our stockists as, um, and, and I'll also say that, you know, on top of like the, the things that um, that are kind of unique to Games Workshop, feeling like it's this huge bureaucracy, etc. It also, you know, they are a United Kingdom company, and I don't think that's bad by any means. It it does mean that there are some of their business practices or the ways that they do things that sometimes seem strange to Americans, and um, you know that that just is what it is. Um, so they said there, there was, there's two issues here. The first one is that, um, you know, the, the people that, who have bought in and are, are stockists, they're kind of, we kind of view them as like car dealerships. And like Ford doesn't let, doesn't, you know, if, if I open up a Ford dealership, they're not going to allow someone else to open, uh, open up a Ford dealership two blocks down the road because, you get kind of like a, a geographic region that's that's yours, and so they're like, you know, we we look at the size of the town that you're in, and you know, compare that to how many uh, stockists we think should be in that area, and there's already that many people signed up as stockists, and so you know, we're sorry, <laughs> and and then the the other thing they said is that you know there's there's a lot of people. It is really strange to me that that's that is their that's their kind of model is the is the car dealership model. Uh, I, well, sure, yeah. yeah. But they're not the only ones. Let me you know there's you know other franchises quote unquote franchise style things are similar. So anyway. yeah, yeah. Um. So and then they said the other thing that can potentially happen is in in this type of situation if we allow you to open up you know you're going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars buying inventory and you're not going to have the community to purchase this because they're already at the other stores and and you're going to be stuck with this dead inventory and you're going to be upset and it's just going to be like a bad experience for everyone and so we're doing you a favor and I, I love that they're trying to stop your business acumen. They're basically doing what they expect all business owners in small <laughs> games to do. 
and and so I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. <laughs> like, uh, I, I'm not. Trust me, I'm not going to have an issue buying inventory and having it sit on my shelves. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I, I appreciate the the concern. <laughs> And so, like this, this sales rep that I was trying to work with, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm really on your side, but, you know, we just can't make it happen. And so, basically, what I had to do was sign up for, to get Games Workshop games from, uh, through distribution. And there's, there's kind of two big problems with that. Uh, the first big problem is that it's significantly more expensive. And the second big problem is that, they don't ship the games to distribution in time, the new releases, in time for distribution to get new releases to game stores, or to the people who get it through them. And so it meant I wouldn't get, I would be paying more money, and I would be getting um, new releases late. And he's like, and that, that, was, that was my only option, was to, to follow that path. And he's like, you know, if you do that, and... You like show that you're selling stuff and show that, uh, you know, you're able to grow a local community, et cetera. Then, you know, we can probably sign you up. So I did that for months and months and months <laughs> and eventually was like, you know, showed them my sales, et cetera. And like, okay, I, I guess we actually are willing to sell you stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> you're worthy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So get. Get direct, uh, the price goes down, and it becomes, uh, you know, start being able to get new releases on a release date, etc. Um, so, real quick, let me, let me give you, uh, this, this is gonna become important for like a, a main thrust of this story. So, here's how the, the release cycle works for, um, for Games Workshop. So, cycles for other games? Yes, there's no company I know who does it like this. Okay. None. <laughs> but also I I don't I don't think there's a company that releases product as as much product as Games Workshop does. Not even Watsy? So Watsy so I'm I guess I'm talking about breadth of of SKUs. Okay. Um if it if when it comes to like there is there is a release, a new a set of new releases every week from Games Workshop, and wow. by no, every week, multiple items every week, and, you know, by no means does, there's, there's, I can't think of any other game company that does that, so they are unique in that part as well. So here's, here's how it works. So on Monday, I will receive an email from Games Workshop, and it will have the, it'll have product names, it'll have product prices, and product SKUs, and usually... All of that information will be correct. Sometimes there will be, uh, you know, it's human error with either SKUs or names or prices, whatever, but it's, it's usually pretty accurate. And that email in general does not have, uh, descriptions. Instead, it has, it doesn't have pictures either. Um, instead it, it gives you a link to the Warhammer community page. And if you go to the Warhammer community page, it will say a little bit about some of the products and it will have some pictures that are not approved to be on uh, product images or in, in listings, stuff like that. Um, so you can get a kind of an idea of what's coming out. Okay. So you get that information on Monday. On Friday at 11 p.m. our time or midnight Central Standard Time, which uh, Central uh, is, is where the, the headquarters for uh, Games, Games Workshop, Workshop is for America. Um, they, it was actually, it's, it's kind of interesting what they did. They, they basically, um, put their, they created their headquarters at a shipping hub. It's at the FedEx hub for America so that they would have an easier time shipping things throughout the country and have an easier time shipping things to America from their, like a, a lot of their stuff is, is imported from the UK. It's not, made domestically um so at 11 p.m on friday i will get another email from games workshop and 
This will have the full product information. It will have descriptions of the items. It will have pictures of the items. And those items can immediately go for sale um, once you receive that email. Uh, you, you, you're not allowed to pre-sell prior to that point. Um, and so... Wait, is this one of those rules that um, is stated but not observed by the general, like... No, this is a... This is a... They will... So, for example, on this and pricing, it's it's like you get a strike and then you're out and you can't order from them anymore if you violate this. Okay. So they do police these things. Yes, yeah. Because, I mean, well, I've but seen it. I'm part of it, part of it as well, though, is that part of the way that they police it is by withholding information. And, and also, they don't really care if you, like, I could, they, they don't really care if I did an in-store pre-order before that time, but the online pre-orders, they definitely do care about. So. Well, that's much easier for them to track. Sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. So this this gets back to the part that that you had uh, mentioned about you know when I get home from work I want to be home from work and I don't want to uh, have to worry about these various things. Well, uh, you know my my wonderful spouse is the person who's been in charge of creating listings for the website, and we will he, he has to Friday night at eleven o'clock midnight whatever he has to spend time creating listings to sell on our website. And it's especially um, frustrating when we're someplace like, you know, as a good example, a couple weeks ago, uh, we were camping in a location that did not have seller data service. And so, you know, 1030, 10 o'clock at night, whatever, we get up, we drive into cell coverage, we he pulls out his laptop and creates the listings, and then we drive back to um, to the campsite where we're again out of cell coverage. And it's you know it's, it's just kind of an example of the things that you it, it feels a lot like being kind of a, a modern like day being a farmer. Yeah, modern day dairy farmer where yeah. like. <laughs> 5 a.m. Those ca- those cows need taken care of, and they don't care what you want or what you're doing, right? <laughs> exactly. I feel the same way about pets. I just want to go on the record. <laughs> well, that's why you should have cats, Josh. Eh, fair. So, continuing the story of how this process all works, um, it would then um, the and this is this has been going this way for years. Um, then after that, um, on Monday or Tuesday, usually Monday, I would um, submit my order to Games Workshop, and it will have my restock order, and it will have my new releases. Um, and it will ship, and then it will get to me on Thursday or Friday. I'm, I'm a three-day ship from, I think it's Memphis that they're based out of. And so it, it's it's a very short turnaround window, right? And and then they the, the items release on that Saturday, which is another thing that's weird. I don't understand why a release date would be Saturday, but uh, there it is. Um, and so basically from getting product information, partial product information on Monday, do pre-sales on the following weekend, order on Monday. Um, is And then it gets shipped to you and you the the launch date is that Saturday, so it's it's just barely less than a two week process on this entire thing, right? Um, so you know, I I got contacted by my Games Workshop sales rep, and he's like, we're 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 having issues because of coronavirus, and you know, I was like, I understand that's it's it's tough to run a warehouse with social distancing, etc., and. He said, well, here's, here's what we need you to do. Basically, the, and here's, here's another thing about the game industry in general is that for distribution, et cetera, Mondays are their hell day because all the stores place their orders on Monday because, and a lot of stores just order once a week or maybe once every other week. And so, they go through the week accumulating their cells, figuring out what the restock is going to be. They have their big cells on the weekend. And then 
they place their restock order on Monday, it ships to them, it comes in, et cetera, right? And so everyone's always slammed on Monday. And so the solution that Games Workshop came up with, which I can somewhat empathize with, is that you know, we, we just don't have the capacity to take care of everything on Monday and Tuesday because it, because we have to do social distancing and stuff like that. Which, okay, I, I can appreciate that. I understand. Um, but here's the, here's the solution that they ended up having with it was <laughs> that, um, basically now I'm required. I, I have two options that I was presented. Option one, I can submit my orders on Thursday or Friday before I have full product information and before I have a chance to do pre-sales or, uh, I can order later and I would, because Monday and Tuesday are, are so busy, I would be banned from being able to submit an order on Monday or Tuesday. Those are for other customers that are more special, or I, I don't know how exactly they decide who gets to be like the favored few who uh, can order stuff act after being able to do pre-sales. Um, but I can order, I, I would be banned from ordering on Monday and Tuesday, and then I could order on Wednesday. And if I order on Wednesday, I might, they might sell out on some new releases because, you know, stuff because happens. Because you're one of the last ones to order, yeah. Yeah, because, because I'm one of the, yes. Stuff early yes. On. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, and I'm not going to have stuff by the release date. So. That I, wasn't took, an or, that was and. That was an and. Yeah, and, yeah, and. Correct. So. Basically, I'm, I'm, I'm being presented with like these two awful decisions. Like, I can order early and not have sales data, or I can order late, potentially miss out on some stuff and not get it by the launch date, but I'll actually have pre-sale data and I'll be able to make hopefully intelligent purchasing decisions. And, you know, my, and my, my sales rep is like the nicest guy in the world. And, and I'm like, he, he, he feels awful, like presenting this to me, right? <laughs> and, and I'm like, this, this isn't really, you know, a feasible situation for me. And, uh, to cut a long story short, the option that I ended up going with is I'm, I'm ordering on Wednesdays and I'm not getting things, um, by the by time that, date. by release date. And, you know, as this, this will go into, I guess, another topic, uh, that this is related to this, but, um, so one of the, one of the key things, if, if any of you have any inkling of doing a game store, one of the things that you have to, have to, have to understand is that retail stores live and die with the inventory decisions that they make. And obviously it's not the, the only thing that's an ingredient of having a successful business. You have to have good customer service, et cetera, right? But if, if you're making bad inventory decisions, then you're going to go out of business. Well, and I think. As gamers, we've all been in that game store who has the um, Rift source book from 1993 or whatever. <laughs> sure, yeah. that's still on their shelf to this day because nobody cares about uh, whatever it happens to be about. And there's, you know, there is, I think that there is certainly a lot of products in our industry that nobody cares about. And if you end up with on your shelf, you're going to have a, you could sell it for, you know, one tenth of its original MSRP, and still have a difficult time getting. Yes, yes, that is true. Uh, it, it is kind of interesting. Like I, after having been making purchasing decisions for years and years and years, it I do feel like I can. Um, it's it's kind of interesting visiting other game stores because I can kind of you know browse their inventory and and have like an idea of how they're doing as a business because I'll be like. Man, what are they doing with these purchases? Or all that, you know, can look at it and say that I, I think they're making smart decisions. Um, but the the flip side of that is that, so I feel like I'm pretty good at at my job and and what I do. But I think that like the expectation that a game store owner could make purchasing purchasing decisions before they have full product information before they have pre-sale information. And when, like if it was, um, you know, a, a Stonemeyer game that there comes out one every other month, 
um, okay, that's that's one thing. But this is these are decisions that I'm making every week where there is it, it ranges, you know, from you know a couple to ten SKUs each week coming out. And some if there's like a paint launch or something, it's obviously way more than that. Um, but like as an example, part of Luminous is is launching this week. And you know, Sorry, you're gonna have, you're gonna have to explain that's a, that's a, that is that is a, a new Age of Sigmar army, and mm. so you know it, it's it's gonna do well. It's gonna people are gonna be excited for it. But you know, there's ten skews, and how do I know which of those skews is the one that people are gonna want a ton of? And how how am I gonna know which one is the one that you know I I just need to order a couple of? Like there's I have no way of knowing that until I start getting pre-sale data and 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 if i have that struggle as someone who i think is uh fairly good as job i can't imagine like some of the other game store owners trying to like dodge that minefield it, it just it seems like for all well, the workshops that before about trying to set up their partners for success like this is yeah this is this, this is, is not going to set anybody up for success in <laughs> fact it's going to end up they're going to do one of two things they're either going to a you know, order all the wrong stuff and have the wrong inventory, or they're just not going to pre-order. Now, right. to be fair, I do think this sets up the Repo Man for success. <laughs> that's, yes. that's that's my second story, Josh. <laughs> oh, man! Instinctual segue by the Wheeler. That's true. Um, so, I guess that's... I don't have, I guess, a ton more to say on that part of the story. Um... Did, did you guys have any comments or questions, I guess, on, yeah, it, it on seems, that situation? It seems really odd to me that um, a product, which certainly they have had in the pipeline for much longer than 10 days. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I realize that they're trying to keep people from putting up pre-order information. Right. But it feels like the way they're policing it is enough. I mean, maybe it, it, the problem is manpower, I guess. But it just feels like they well, could give that information to you, to everyone, much earlier and say you can't advertise or pre-sell this until such and such date but even if they gave you like why don't they give you two or three weeks to pre-order like i don't know that seems like such a short I, turnaround time. i right exactly so i i talked to management <laughs> and you know uh relayed my little message in a bottle threw it in the ocean uh the cog in the machine dutifully took the, the bottle uh nothing will come of it but I, I felt like I did my part, I guess. But, you know, I, I, I told them that I felt like there were two answers to this that were not difficult changes for them to do. And if either of them happened, it would be, things would be great on my end. And from my perspective, the two things that, that could have happened, uh, one is, like, on my non-new release restock items, that's, that's one of the things that's really difficult for them to fill because, you know, it's literally generally over a hundred line items, and it's like you know one of this thing, two of that thing, and that's not easy to pull. It's not easy to process, etc. And I don't really care what day of the week that gets submitted. I could, that's it's fine for me to submit that order on Thursday, on Friday, whatever. And and if that got shifted to them, then that would make a big difference for their warehouse, right? Yeah, huge difference. Um, and, and then in that scenario, I would then on Monday order the, you know, two to ten new release SKUs on a separate order. And that would be very, in comparison, much easier for them to process. But, you know, they're, they're of the mindset of, you know, we do one order a week and that's the way things that are done because that's the way things have always been done. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's, that was, that was one solution that was pitched to them. The second option that was pitched to them was that it, it's something that they do with other product launches. So Indomitus is a product release that they just did. It was the, the new box set, limited edition for 40k. And everyone's super excited for it. And they got product information out one week earlier and pre-sales were extended one week earlier. And if they extended that pre-sale window like that on all items, then it's it's not going to be an issue for me to do my pre-order order on that Thursday or Friday because I'll have actually had product information, I'll have been able to do pre-sales, I'll have 
the information that I need to, to make informed decisions. And, and that was again, you know, I, I, I told my feedback to the cognitive machine. He dutifully took it. But again, this is the way things are done because this is the way things have always been done. <laughs> yeah. You are screaming into the wind. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, you know, it's, it's a frustrating situation. Uh, for myself, it, it also makes me feel bad because, you know, one of the one of the service commitments that I have always felt is important and something that makes us different from. I mean, I, I guess I can't talk about other businesses because I I don't know their practices, but I have always felt like it was really important for us when someone puts in an order for us to try to ship it as as quickly as possible and. You know, it, it kind of puts like a little dagger in my heart to not be able to ship items before the release date. But, you know, it's kind of is what it is. And, and. I mean, this just seems like for the average store owner, um, they're just, just not going to order. They'll be like, you know what? We'll just wait until I'm sorry for all the people in my community, but I just can't afford to, you know, put in this order well, until I have pre-sale data and they'll just wait. And it's going to uh, hurt all of them. I mean, I think it's... Or they'll order early and get, you know... Yeah, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people... More items that, never sell. ...that do order early, because, you know, I don't know that most game stores are very good at taking pre-sales or, you know, etc. But, and and I, I am very appreciative of... I'm assuming that part of the reason why Games Workshop customers have... have uh, I, I, I say this, like, from the bottom of my heart in gratitude... They, they're, they're pretty good at placing pre-orders for items. And I'm assuming that part of the behavior became that way was because if they didn't like try to get on a pre-order right as soon as it's available, there's a decent chance that there's going to be items that they care about that they've had the experience of them not being able to order it because it sells out or whatever. Um, yeah, there's a long restock time. Right, exactly. Um, but you know, there's, it really is like I can, Based on the pre-sale stuff, I can get a feel of what I should likely be carrying for that product. But, you know, it's, without that, it's just super hard for me as a retailer to have any idea because, you know, I'm, I'm not playing these games, but really, you know, there's, there's so many games that Games Workshop puts out and so many SKUs coming out, et cetera, that even if, I mean, for the, Certainly for the, the game store owners that are, you know, big fans of Games Workshop, that's, that's an advantage for them. But, like, if, if I'm a, a fan of, um, you know, Space Marines or, or whatever, that doesn't necessarily mean that I, I'm gonna know, you know, what I should do with Adeptus Titanicus or the Lord of the Rings game or Warhammer Underworlds, et cetera, et cetera, right? So. It seems like to me, even if you're a fan of one of their games, it would make it nigh impossible. I mean, I, I don't know how you track all of them. Right, right. All right, so I, let's let's talk about the um, the repo man then. Okay, <laughs> okay. I'm excited for this. Um, I mean, do we do we want so do we want to go into this story or do we want to have this go into the the bonus episode? Uh, oh well, looking at time, it should probably be the bonus episode. Also, I just have to briefly say that I want you to know that I live my life as a business owner, trying to not have inventory. And so yeah, right, I've basically right. been sitting here in abject terror at the idea of like <laughs> having to make inventory decisions and with so little knowledge. That, that makes me want to retch a little bit, honestly. So, uh, well, instead of telling the story, then I guess let's talk about um, just general I, game store advice. Okay, two two things that I I am going to uh, recommend to you. Um, the first, there there are two books. If if you're if you're either a wanting to itch the the itch of um, learning more about retail or this industry or whatever um, this those this can kind of scratch that itch or if you are interested in opening the game store these are two books that I would <laughs> recommend that you read before doing so so the first one is directly related to this in industry. Um, the, the name of the book is Friendly Local Game Store, A Five-Year Path to Middle-Class Income. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the, the five-year path to ruin us. I thought, I thought that was what you were going to say. 
the name of the author is Gary Ray. It is available both in paperback and Kindle. Um, so I, I would recommend uh, looking into that. One of the, one of the things that um, is interesting with with his book is that he he talks a fair bit about like how much money you're going to need to start a game store and and it's 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 different than the experience I had with starting mine because I, I did start mine with a very small amount of cash and and grew up from that. But one Which of the was simple, also not the normal path. Correct. Yes. Um. And and one of the one of the traps that people can have with um or this also in, interesting about this industry is that there's relatively a very low barrier of of entry into opening a game store. Uh, you can find some place cheap to rent and open up your ye old hole in the wall magic shop, right? For yeah. for not a ton of money. And and one of the parts he talks about is kind of the dangers that you can have with that because you need to have enough inventory turning quickly enough to be generating you enough income to actually be able to survive and to you know and to get to the point where some other topics he talks about, for example, and, and this is um, one of the things you talked about, Trevor, or talked about, was that having a plan on how you're going to add employees and how you're going to get to the point where you can actually take time off so that you don't hate your life and you don't hate your business and uh, stuff like that. And so um, that's that's something that, that I would recommend uh, looking at. Uh, the other um, book that I would recommend is not related to, really at all to specifically to the game industry. It, it's more a um, business um, in general book, but something that I think is, is quite interesting and that will be quite helpful. So the, the name of the book is The Goal, An Ongoing Process of Improvement, and the author is Elihu Goldratt. So have have you uh, heard or, or read of this read this book, Josh? I don't think I have. No. So it's it's pretty interesting. So this was recommended to me by uh, Tony Riccio, super smart guy, um, who um, has has given me a lot of advice through the years. Um, and it's it's a really interesting book. It's it's actually it's in the genre of. Um, books that is classified as a business fable. Okay. It is a work of fiction and it tells a narrative story, but as you're reading the story, it is teaching you business principles that you need to incorporate into your business. And so it's, it's a lot easier to get through than your typical um, business book that makes you kind of want to kill yourself when you're reading it. (laughs) But that you, but that you do anyway because you feel like you ought to or that, you know, et cetera. Right. Uh, and so the the story is is basically this guy who is becomes put in charge of a manufacturing plant, and the plant is about to go out of business. And it's the story of how he manages to turn around the, plat- the plant. Um, and, and one of the things that – one of the principles that you'll – even though this is talking about manufacturing, um, it this goes into really well and, and helps um, will help you understand that you need to understand with your retail store is the kind of the principle of uh, turning over your inventory and basically when you when you, whenever you buy something you need to have an idea of like how long is this going to sit on my shelf until it sells and how how if I take my uh, let, let's say that I have uh, $20,000 in inventory and in a year I have $100,000 in sale. That means that my uh, inventory turned over five times. And um, that's kind of a metric that's that's important for you to, obviously you want to have, be turning over your inventory as quickly as, as, as many times as possible in whatever time frame you're looking at. Um, but it's it's a really interesting book for something that um, being able to read a, a fiction book where you're learning business principles that um, that I think are foundational to having a, 
a successful business um, is definitely one of my top recommends. So, um, what other you you had mentioned, uh, Trevor? Any other lessons or stuff like that? Is there any other topics or things that you think I should touch on? Um, I mean, you're asking the wrong guy. I think you should ask Jones. Sure. Uh, I, I my topic is as soon as I clock out, I don't care. <laughs> well, you don't have time to cover it this time, Jay. But the the other topic that you, for me, I think is critical and and probably overlooked, and and maybe a lot of game stores don't even get to this point. But it's freaking employees. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the sure. So I guess next episode in the bonus episode, what we can maybe some of the, as a preview, uh, if you subscribe to uh, the Patreon. Um, I'll talk about the, this, this last weekend, I just had a repo experience where I sold the store some inventory. They lasted for two years and I have now bought back that inventory at pennies on the dollar <laughs> and kind of the, the whole story behind that. Um, and the story of us relaunching the website. Um, but also, um, I guess kind of the, the shifting roles that you can have as a business owner as your business evolves and changes because, you know, Josh mentioned, for example, human resources or employees, um, spending time with on, like when I started the, the things that I do to make my business successful now are very different from when I was a one man operation. And, and, and some of that's good. Some of it's bad. Some of it is I, the reality is that you, you kind of have to do what it takes to, make your business succeed and that's going to change as as time goes on um but like at, at no point when i started my business did i think man you know what would be really fun it would be to like spend huge swaths of my time dealing with human resources mm-hmm. or <laughs> just spending a ton of time advertising that would be awesome said no one ever yeah right but you know that's you you do what you have to do in order to stay in business or to make things grow or to adapt the needs, the roles that you have to fill to, to I, make I, succeed. One of the things I want to talk about, and I'm going to give you guys a little bit of warning so you guys can think about this, is the the idea that people will take a lesser wage to do something they want to do. Because it feels like in the gaming industry, there are there, there's, there's also, beyond just the, the person who says, I want to own a game store, there's the person who says, I want to work in a game store expecting maybe a different experience than what they get. And, and I'm sure that Josh does not have those type of people that show up in his business. And they're like, you know, <laughs> I have always wanted to take less money to work in my, my preferred industry of a game store, but in his case, an electrical contractor. And yeah, that's the residential arm of my industry. Are you saying you do have people that come in? And they're like, I've Not me. I'm industry. saying it sure seems like home builders have those kind of people who are like, I just want to rope houses, and, you know, right? Pay right. me dirt. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it is a it is a strange thing to me because that is one I've I've thought you know maybe I want to work in a game store you know once in a while and I've never thought that's what I want to do as my primary occupation but I thought right. oh, it'd, be, it'd be cool to you know be the guy that runs the counter on Friday night during the you know well Friday night would be a bad choice because of magic but you know <laughs> what I, you know what I mean I yeah I yeah handle, yeah yeah I, I there's that. I think that one of the things that surprises most of my employees, and, and I don't know if this is true for um, all game stores or most game stores or what, but like they're expected to work when they're at Gameopolis, <laughs> <laughs> and they're expected to work hard. And this isn't like you have to be productive because this is a busy business that has a lot of stuff going on, <laughs> and. And that's not, I think, what a lot of people envision when they're like, yes, I want to work at a, a game store. So I, I have a related uh, anecdote to tell about this. Okay, awesome. All right. Well, stay tuned. Uh, it will it will be fun.